We are in 2 Samuel chapter... Come on. 14. 14 tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 14 tonight. With these gloves on, it's hard to... It's hard to turn the pages. Okay. I just can't turn the page. Am I stuck? You can do it. Those of you listeners, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's freezing out here tonight. It's probably, what is it? It's like 45 degrees? It's got to be something like that. It's What is going on here? The page just does not want to split. It's talking back. Okay, well... Pages, pages talk back. We gotta put them in their place. Listen. Listen to me. Okay, hold on. Okay. Got it. Um, second Samuel chapter 14, but actually we have to lay a backdrop of chapter 13, of course, yes. Because we can't really see the picture of what's going on until we go back to Second Samuel chapter 13. So we're going to go through both chapters tonight. And um, hopefully I'll be able to tell this story. This is pretty insane. I mean, the books of Samuel are powerful because there's just so much adventure involved. There's so much picture painted. There is, it's like a movie. They should, do, they should do movies on the books of Samuel. I mean, gosh, there is so much going on. Here in chapter 13, what has just happened there in chapter 11 and 12 is the whole David Bathsheba thing. Yes, we just missed it. But David and Bathsheba, if you don't know the story, I'll tell you just briefly. David, King David that is, King of Israel, standing there on his roof one day. He's looking over and there is a woman. He's standing out in his... Wow. And so, uh, don't pay any attention, please. This is just distraction as usual. Let's actually, let's pray. Can we just bow our heads? Serious, I'm serious. I'm serious. Lord, we just pray for those guys and ask that you would send great conviction upon them. That you'd open their eyes to see you face to face. That they would bow the knee. And that you would be lifted up in their lives, each one. That they would come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, God, that you're a God who cares. Lord, as the enemy tries to rise up and attack continually, we pray against that. Lord, rebuke you, Satan. You will not come and rise up against the ones who serve Christ. For we are sealed with Him. And we belong to Him. And so we give you great glory, King, tonight. And we exalt you here during this time. And we will refocus ourselves. Cold, no matter what it is, no matter what the distraction, we desire to hear from you. Thank you for the work that you're doing in us. Please bless those guys in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, family, this is the second thing I've experienced in the last week of distraction. Interesting. But it will not stop us from getting in the Word. Me and Mike Junk had a long talk about it actually last night here at Java Bliss. 
He said, Josh, next time, because the enemy is going to come and try to distract and steal away from the fruit that is going out to the people. And, and we had talked about this exact thing. Like, what do I do, Mike, next time if there's a distraction? He says, you just have, them, have everyone just start praying because it steals away from what the enemy wants. And that's distraction. God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of distraction. He's a God of order. And as I'm telling you, it's, it's, I'll just tell you briefly, those of you who weren't there, but Friday night, their college and career, I was, ta- I was speaking on the demon-possessed man, Legion. And right there in the middle of the service, this guy starts like breathing really hard and heavy and all this, and then he passes out. And everybody's like, what's going on? And Ryan goes over and tries to help, and this guy comes back. I prayed for him as he was knocked out, but I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like really confused, like, oh, man. Then the night continues to go on, and as I'm about to close my message, the guy gets up in the middle of the message and gets on stage and tries to play a song. He's dead serious. He put... He put and all of a sudden, all the guys, like, Mike comes up on the stage. He's like, come on, man, let's go. And I guess the guy, he's a little, like, loose in his mind, man. There's, and many people are telling me, like, Mike even was saying, he thinks, you know, there's just demonic activity and just, like, the enemy's really trying to rip this guy off. And the enemy's trying to rip the study off also because God's doing a great work. And it really got me offline and off track of what God had for that night. But I think it also kind of distracted the people, and that's exactly what the enemy wants. If he can just distract us and pull away from the Word of God, then he's done his work, hasn't he? But we will not. We will dive into the Word. We will exalt our King tonight. Aha, Lucifer. You will not rise against our King, for he is great. And you're not. Chapter 13, as I was setting the backdrop, David and Bathsheba... David and Bathsheba. David is sitting there, walks outside of his palace, his kingdom, overlooks the city. I, I was there. I was there in the Kidron, right there with the Kidron Valley and also uh, the city of David where supposedly he might have overlooked and saw Bathsheba there. And the way it is is the palace is kind of up on the hill and all the houses are down around the palace so everything is kind of down and this woman is bathing on top of her roof. I guess it's just the way they used to do it. I don't know. But she's bathing. It says The Bible says that this woman was beautiful. I mean, she was just, da bomb. Okay, like, over the top. She was just, like, amazing. Right? And David looks, and he's like, whoa. You know, I mean, he's, he's lusting. That's what's happening. He's looking at this naked woman. And so what does he do? He calls. He has, he has some of his servants go and get her. She comes to him, and he lies with her. Yeah, uh, commits adultery, lies with this woman. And then she goes back home and all of a sudden she becomes pregnant. Uh-oh, uh-oh, prego. Yeah, she's pregnant. It's a word me and my buddies use all the time. Sorry, that's wrong, sorry. But anyways, just in a weird mood tonight. But she's pregnant and so... He goes and he calls for the husband. He tries to get her husband that was out at war, actually, that was out fighting for David. Calls him home, says, why don't you go and uh, he gets him drunk and he tries to send him home so he'll sleep with his wife. And then he thinks what? Well, he got her pregnant. So it's his kid and all this and Bathsheba, they would have played the whole thing off. But what happens? Doesn't happen that way. Uh, He gets drunk and he has him there sitting there. David gets the guy drunk, and then he's sitting there on his steps, and he sleeps at the steps of the king's palace all night. 
David wakes up in the morning like, what's the deal, man? Why didn't you go home and sleep with your wife? You've been away at war for a while. He's like, I will not. I will not. I will not. How, how can I, while all the men are out at war, me go home to my wife and spend time with her when everybody else is gone? I'll be loyal unto my king and all this. And David's just like, oh, my gosh. So what does he do? David trying to hide his lie. He sends. He sends her husband off to war, back out to war, and tells the general to let him run out in front of the army and, and let them all go and attack. And when everybody goes out to attack, pull the whole army back and let this one man, her husband, go out and be slaughtered and be killed. He sends, he actually sends with her husband his his death letter and says, go give this to the general. And it's the letter saying that. Pull the armies back and let him be killed. So, that's what happens. And the man dies. David murders the man. Then David just goes on, la di da like everything's okay. And all of a sudden, this man named Nathan comes. Oh, one of my favorite prophets in the whole Bible. He walks up to David and he tells a story. Tells a story about a, a sheep, a lamb. They used to hang out at the table. Listen to this. This is going to lay the foundation for what's happening. Nathan walks up to David, the king, after he's done all this, and nobody knows about it. It's all hidden. It's all underground. And Nathan walks up and says, let me tell you a story about a family who had this lamb, this man who had this lamb. This lamb used to eat at the table with the family. They loved this pet. It was just part of their family. This rich man who has lots of sheep, goes one day and goes to this man's house and takes his one sheep that sits at the table and eats with them and all this, and he kills it and sacrifices it for some people that were coming over for dinner that night. And David said, who's this man? I'll kill him. And Nathan looks at him and says, you are the man. You are the one who took the wife of another. You are the one who stole when you have all, you have everything. You were the one who took it. And David, right there, falls on his face. And he starts repenting before God. And this crazy thing goes down. David's all depressed and bummed out and all this happens. And that's pretty much where our story leaves off. David eventually goes to the Lord and confesses and everything is made well, but he actually loses the child that he had with Bathsheba. And the Lord actually gives him another son and his name Solomon. But that's about where it leaves off, and what happens is it just picks up randomly in this place. So that's what's happened in the last two chapters. Look at verse I mean look at verse one of chapter thirteen. You ready? It came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister, a beautiful sister, whose name was Tamar. And Ammon, the son of David, loved her. Okay, stop there. So David has two sons. Absalom, okay? Absalom. And Amon, you with me? I'm sorry, Amnon. Amnon and Absalom. Okay, you got that right? Amnon and Absalom. Okay, now, Absalom and Tamar are brother and sister. But Ammon, are you following with me? Ammon is like a half-brother, okay? He is not the full brother, okay? And guess what? Ammon did what? It says he... Ammon, the son of David, loved her. Loved who? Taman. So, so, Tamar is this woman here. This is Absalom's sister. 
And the half-brother, it, it'd, be, it'd be kind of like this. Guys, if you had a half-sister, you loved her. Uh-oh. Not, not, not loved her. You, yeah, loved her. Okay. But I guess it wasn't uncommon in that day for, in biblical times, um, for somebody to marry their half-sister. It wasn't an uncommon thing, okay? So it's not exactly the way it is today. But look, look what happens. Verse 2, And Ammon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Okay. He fell sick. He was sick to his stomach. He, lo- he loved this woman so much. He just like head over heels for her. Just like messed up over this girl. This is his half-sister. He probably just watch her as she's cooking there or, or serving there in the palace or whatever. Just, oh, Oh, Tamar, you know, just wondering and wishing if he could somehow talk to her, spend time with her. Because in those days, did you know that the women, the king's sons and daughters, the daughters lived on one side of the palace and the sons lived on the other side. So they were not together all the time. Look what look what happens, verse 3. But Ammon had a friend whose name was, sorry, Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was... A very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou being the king's son lean, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Ammon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Okay, so this guy, Jonadab, comes to Ammon, the guy who's in love with Tamar. He's like, Dude, what's the deal? Why are you all messed up? What are you? What's what's wrong with you? And he's like, Dude, I love Tamar. I lo- I'm so in love with her. No, 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 he's not. We need to get this straight before we jump into the rest of this text. He is not in love. He is in lust. He does not love her. He is lusting after her. He desires her. He does not have love for her. He has lust for her. For look at how bad he wants her and desires her. And 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. Love is patient. Did you hear that? Patient. If love is patient, then why is he desiring to have her now? Why is he so sick over it? And so, Jonadab, this sneaky little character over here, whispers in, in Amon's ear, well, go and do this. Look what he says. He said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat. Dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat of her hand. So, what happens? So, stay with me. Stay with me, please. Okay, so this guy, this this slick guy over here comes up to Ammon and says, hey, this is what you need to do. Go lay down and act like you're sick, okay? And then tell the king to have Tamar, the one that he loves, supposedly, no, the one he loves after, go have Tamar come come and, and serve you some chicken noodle soup, and that'll make you feel better. And then what? That's when you take her. That's when you go after her. She's like, oh, good idea. Good idea. I'll do that. So look what happens. Verse 6, and Ammon lay down, okay, so he goes and he lays down, and made himself sick. Oh, great. Here we go. He's, he's lying. And when the king was come to see him, Ammon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar my sister come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat at her hand. 
Oh, he wants some cupcakes. Then David sent home. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, "Go now to thy brother Amon's house. I'm, I'm sorry, Amnon's house, and dress him meat." So Tamar met, went to her brother's house, and he was laid down, and she took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and did bake the cakes. Okay, so, so he goes down, he lays down. Oh, I'm sick, king, please. And so the king says, "All right, send Tamar." So Tamar goes to his house. He's there laying down in the in his bed in his bedroom. And she's making all this stuff for him. And watch what this is crazy. Watch what happens. And Tamar went to her brother Ammon's, Ammon's house, and was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it. Okay, verse eight and verse nine. And she took a pan, and poured them out before them. But he refused to eat. And Ammon said, "Have all the men from me." And they went out every man from him. So he said, "Everybody in the house out. I want everybody out out of the bedroom." And Ammon said to Tamar, "Bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat of thine hand." So there it goes. So, so he says, "I just want Tamar in here to bring the meat to me." And Tamar took the cakes, which she made, and brought them into the cham- chamber to Am- Amnon her brother. Verse eleven. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, "Come, lie with me, my sister." Oh snap! Here it is. The lust kicking in. He's probably been thinking about it nonstop, wondering about it, just like, oh man, I just, I, I gotta have this girl. I remember it seems similar to the way I used to think in high school and there a little bit in college. I used to just like, it was so in my mind, like I gotta be with that girl. I have to go. I'm gonna pursue. I'm going to chase. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to take that chick down. And he is going and doing whatever. Look at this big show that he's put on. He went and he laid down. Oh, I'm sick. Oh, please come make me chicken noodle soup. And then she comes in his room, tells everybody to get out of the house, and she's in there with him. It's his sister. I'm sure everybody's just like, oh, it's his sister. No big deal. Nothing's gonna happen. Look what happens. He said to her, "Come lie with me, my sister." Pretty much, Kate.、Hey, come have sex with me. That's what he's saying. Point blank. And she answered him, "No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not do this folly. And I will whither shall I cause my name to go? I'm sorry, my shame to go. And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee." So she tries to. She even tries to negotiate. Like, listen, please don't do this. You're going to shame me. Because listen, if a woman is raped there at that time or taken, then now it, it's pretty much like that guy is to take care of her. But if he will not take care of her, and nobody wants her, then where is she to go? What is she to do? She's pretty much just left out. And it's like in those days, it was the greatest thing. It's like for a woman to find a husband and to have kids and to carry on, carry on the family tree. And to produce a name—that's like the greatest thing. That's like, it's everything. There was no such thing as careers and all this. And no, it, it's just like that was the thing in that day. That's what was exciting. And she's like, "Please don't do this to me. Please don't disgrace and shame my name. And don't shame yourself." What are you thinking? And look what he does. Verse fourteen. Howbeit, he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. 
He raped her. Sick. He straight up, he raped her there in his own house. Verse 15, Then Ammon hated her exceedingly, so that she hated wherein, I'm sorry, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Ammon said to her, Arise, be gone. Oh man, is there principle here. Girls, be very careful too. Listen, this is this is something for all of us. Guys, it almost it hits me back at home because I remember back in the day, I'll be honest, I'll be open, okay? Because I, I'm going to use my life as an example to testify these things to you so you can understand. But I remember even back in high school, I remember these things like just desiring and chasing after and pursuing. And then it was like, when I was able, when I finally, like, it's almost like I was like this guy. Like, I'm, oh, I'm in love with her and I can't stop thinking about it, all this. But it's not true. It's not love. It's lust burning in me. And I would desire it so much. And then I would pursue and chase down. And then guess what? Once I got with this girl, once I did whatever I wanted to, then I didn't give a rip. And it was just over. It's just like, oh, and, and all of a sudden now she's like, oh, oh, you know, we're together. And, oh, you really like me, right? So it's like, yeah, right, get out of here. Like, I, I don't, don't, didn't you get it? Like, I didn't really, like, want a relationship. I just wanted to, you know. And, and, and so many people, so many, oh. It's terrible. It's still happening this day. It's such a bummer. But you must understand, girls and guys alike, listen. This is the world. This is what's happening. And I'm telling you the truth, even even as I became a Christian and tried to start walking with God, listen, I'll share this with you. I was in a relationship and we messed around. And I tell you this, that it was almost like, oh, I love you, I love you. And I was like, so, oh. But all of a sudden, as soon as the lust was fulfilled, it's like I didn't, I didn't look at her the same. No longer was she like a sweet, beautiful rose or a teddy bear to me. It was like this rigid woman that I looked at. And it was somebody that I didn't, I didn't feel like being close to, and I didn't want to hang. It just, it, it's stolen away. I don't know how to describe it to you. I'm trying to explain this to you. The danger of falling into these things, the danger of lust, it destroys a man. It will destroy relationship. And I'm telling you that it can happen to anyone at any place. Guys, take heed lest you fall, my friends. I pray to God daily, like, Father, just don't even let me get into a situation because I feel like I will fall. I just don't even want to be anywhere near it. I want to be as far away as I can because I don't trust myself. I know who I am. I know Josh Thompson. And so please, love is patient and love will wait. And girls, if ever there is a guy doing anything or even seeking in any way, it is he does not love you whatsoever, not even 1%. No. That is not love. That is lust. You need to tell yourself that. You need to understand that. And guys, if you think that you love her, you don't. Convince yourself otherwise that you desire something else. Because as soon as you're done with that deed, as soon as you seek what you want and you desire, I guarantee something will be different right there in your mind. And guys, you've experienced this as images and things pop into. As soon as a man, as soon as it's satisfied, as soon as that lust in whatever way is, all of a sudden, what? You don't care anymore. You're just okay. Like, oh. Like it doesn't burn within you. Like, oh, you see, it's not love. It's lust. 
And that's what's so beautiful about a love relationship. A true love relationship is this. You know what sex is meant for? It's supposed to be a warm fire in a fireplace. It's supposed to be like a, a, ted, a teddy bear. Just something wonderful and nice and sweet. You know what the world has done? They've taken the fire out of the fireplace, out of marriage. They burnt the whole house down. And now it's a sick thing that we're all like, we don't want to talk at who. It's, it, it's not a good thing to talk about. Everybody gets uncomfortable. What? Huh? I bet you when God talked about it in the garden, it was just like, oh, that's just, it's just the same as, hey, holding hands and loving your wife. Just the same as going and, and dancing in the park or doing whatever. It's the same. It's all a part of marriage. It is not anything that's supposed to be this sick thing in any way. But we, like this stuff, many men, there are many, a lot of my buddies still, and when I see them and they talk about that, I mock them to their face. I'll straight up just tell them, like, you're whack. Like, this is what you want to do. You just want to get with the girl, hook up with her, and then throw her to the curb, huh? I mean, like, you make her feel like you love her and stuff, and then you take advantage of her. <laughs> it's terrible. But ladies, you need to understand these things, and you need to hide these things in your heart. I got the sweetest opportunity of being able to ex exhort somebody really close to me just last week on the phone, and it was the biggest blessing I, it was so odd. Just and she got it. She was just like, "Yeah, I, I, I believe that. Like, I really don't want. I don't want any of that. I just want to stay as far away from that as possible. I understand. You know, I just feel led to just talk about these things just real quick, okay? Since we're on the topic, and it's never talked about. If you allow anything, the more that you allow to happen before you're married, the more is taken away from your marriage. It's true. Guys and girls alike, if you allow yourself to be pleasured in any way, in that way, sexual, if you allow that to happen, I, this is what will happen. Now you will lose and you will miss out on the effectiveness of a true relationship in Christ in a marriage. And you hear it all the time. It's like, well, I, well, I've, I need to, you know, like test the grounds like a lot of these guys how long this world will say before I you know buy the car and all this like no 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 it's a wonderful thing I think when two people are completely blind and don't know what's going on and they get to go off on their honeymoon and just play house and have a blast that's a great thing because the innocence is not stolen away everything is fresh and brand new and I'm telling you even if you have gone and messed up or guy or girl like that God can restore that within you as you stay pure. The more you stay pure, the longer you do, the more He will restore it within you. That even goes as far as in the mind also, guys and girls alike. Why is it why is it bad? What what are the repercussions? You're not hurting I'm not hurting anybody but myself. Oh, oh, listen. You're hurting more than just yourself because this is why. If you allow images to come in, if you allow pornography, any, any kind of these things to take over, this would happen. Guys, girls, listen. What happens when you're married one day and, and your wife doesn't look like that, those images that you got stuck in your head, and your husband doesn't do those things that you desire because that you, you've seen other guys do and you've thought about that, or, well, you know, this, this guy does this and this guy does that, and I really like that, but my husband doesn't do that. Why not? And all of a sudden you allow these things to come in and it takes over in such a way that you cannot... You now cannot have a relationship and you start looking at the other person, the spouse, in ways that you never should. 
That's why it's important to refrain and to stay far from these things. It's a blessing. I guarantee it. It is one of the only things in Christianity where one day you're told no and the next day you're told yes. You were to refrain during this time, you who are single and are not married. And I guarantee you will be blessed more than you could ever imagine on that day. Think about that day. It's a wonderful day. It's a beautiful day. Yes! I did it, man! I refrained. Baby, here I am. You know, it's like, yes! And I did it for you. Because true love waits. It's patient. It's kind. It's long-suffering. It holds off. If you truly love her, guys, you'll make the stand. And girls, if you truly love him, you'll tell him no. It's true. You will. That's true love. And this was definitely not, not love. And we're going to watch the repercussions unfold as we see what happens in this text. So I'm going to try to bomb through this thing, okay? Because I know I spent a lot of time on that. Let's look what happens. He hated her. Man, what a bummer. I wonder if he told her, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. And she's like, maybe she got a little hope in her heart. Like, oh, maybe he's going to take me. You know, and maybe, wow, finally I'm married. And remember, she was a virgin. Never been with anyone. But then he says to her, he hated her. And he tells her to arise. He says, get out. Verse 16, and she said unto him, there is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other thou didst unto me. But he would not hearken unto her. See, now he is sending her away. This is even worse than the rape that he has done. Then he called his servant that ministered unto him and said, Put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. Kick her out the door and lock it. That's what he's saying. Man, this is terrible. And she had a garment of diverse colors upon her. For with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. The virgins would wear certain clothes. And look what happens. Verse 19. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of diverse colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Ammon thy brother been with thee? But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing, so Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. So now, she goes back to her brother Absalom and she's there in his house. And right before that, she had rent her clothes, her, her, her pure clothes, this clothes that would show that she's a virgin. She ripped them, she threw ashes on her head, and there she went to mourning. She went crying away. Oh. <sighs> And guys, you know, we've sensed the same thing. As soon as you fall into lust, you just almost want to hate yourself and you hate everything around it. Just stay away. Brothers, confess to someone. I dare you. Be open with the brother. Just full on, just lay it on him. Hey, this is going on and that's what's happening. I have brothers that I confess to on a regular basis from Mexico. And I will just lay it on them on the phone sometimes. Like, dude, this is going down right now. This is what's happened. I said this, or I did this, or I thought, I just full on bring it. They're not shocked. They're my brothers. 
They're like, yeah, me too. And they start laying it out and start talking it over. And then we pray for each other, encourage one another, and we're open and honest. Confession is liberty, is freedom. It is. Think about the times if you have ever confessed something to someone, how freeing it is. It's like, thank you. Thank you, man, Lord, I'm so happy. I was so scared, but man, I'm so happy that I did. It's a good thing to be honest and open with the brothers. Confession is a blessing. Ladies, if you guys are going through something, maybe things, confess, be open with the girls. Man, when will unity come amongst the women? Something that I desire so much to see the women come together. I know that not all groups will get together in heaven they will, amen. But 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 even in the small groups that you guys are in, please, I beg and be open, be honest with one another. Watch how freedom will take place in your life. Watch how liberty will start to move. Watch how the bonding will take place. When you confess someone to something, when you're open with them, you are attached. The first thing that we did when I got to Mexico, John Corson had all the guys stand up one at a time and confess the deepest, darkest thing that we had going on in our lives. Bam, right there on the spot. And all of a sudden, the guys stand up, and they just start confessing. And we're just like, ow, my ears, you know. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the guys next to him would stand up and pray for him. And John would give him a word. we go one guy after another. And guess what? All of us had confessed the deepest, darkest things going on. So for the rest of the four months, we could talk about anything. We were bonded at the hip. There was nothing that was too heavy or too deep or too dark for any one of the guys. We heard it all. And so we were bonded, and we are bonded forever now. They know. They know everything. that I sh- They know all of it. They know my deepest, darkest sins. And is it, it is important that we as a family confess and are open about these things. Confess to one another, James tells us, that you may be healed. Healed. So Tamar runs off to her brother's home. Look at this. Let's see what happens. Verse 21. When King David heard all of these things, he was very wroth. Oh, David is ticked. And Absalom spake under his brother Amon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Okay. So David, we see, is upset. But what does David do? Nothing. David does nothing about the situation. What's the deal? David said he's ticked off, but he doesn't do anything about it. Absalom doesn't say anything to Amnon. He just keeps his mouth shut. But listen, listen. Let's try to think why David doesn't say anything to his son. What just happened in chapters 11 and 12? Did David not go and take a woman, commit adultery, and then kill He had committed adultery. He had committed murder. He had stepped out and done something wicked. Why doesn't he say anything to Amnon? I wonder if he's feeling guilty. I wonder if he's feeling heavy in some way. I wonder if it's coming back to haunt him what Nathan, the words that Nathan had told him that one day. Let's move on. Verse 23, and it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears and Baal Hazer, which is beside Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons 
So he had a sheep shearing party, and he invited all the king's sons, David's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold now thy servant has sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. And the king said unto Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be chargeable unto thee. And he pressed him, how be it? He would not go, but blessed him. And then Absalom, if not, I pray thee, let my brother Ammon go with us. And the king said unto him, Why should he go with thee? But Absalom pressed him, and he let Ammon and all the king's sons go with him. Okay, so what happens? Tamar's brother, okay? Amnon slept with Tamar, raped her, all this, okay? I know it's getting cold. Come on, my, my feet are numb. Stay with me. Let's do this. Come on. Okay, so Absalom throws his party or invites all of the king's sons, and he invites the king too. But the king says, no, I'm not coming. And he's like, please, send your son Amon. And so he's like, okay, I'll send, I'll send Amnon, Amnon. I'll send him with, I don't know what it is anymore. I'll send him. And so he's like, okay. And so he sent, the King David, King David sends all of his sons to Absalom, his other son. Okay, look what happens. Now Absalom had commanded his servant saying, Mark ye now, Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say unto you, smite Amnon, then kill him. Fear not, have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So he says this, he says, hey, get Amnon drunk. Absalom says this, get him drunk, and then I want you guys to kill him. He says this to his servants. He wants them to kill him because, remember, he raped his sister. And so look what happens. And the servants of Absalom did unto Ammon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and every man got him upon his mule and fled. So all of a sudden, the servants killed Ammon, the guy who raped the girl. They killed him. And then all of the king's sons are like watching this. And they're like, oh, snap, we're out of here. They all jump on their donkeys and head for the hills. They run. In verse 30, and it came to pass while they were in the way, that tiding came to David, saying, Absalom has slain all the king's sons, and there no one left them. Then the king rose and tore his garments and lay on the earth, and all of a sudden stir, sir, sorry, servants stood by with their clothes rent. And Jonadab, the son of Shema, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my I'm sorry, let not my Lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons, for Ammon only is dead. For by the appointed appointment of Absalom, this had been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. So he just pretty much this guy comes up and clears everything up. The king thinks that all of his sons are dead, but then this guy comes up and says, No, all the sons aren't dead, just Ammonon is dead. And Absalom has been wanting to do this since the day that he raped Tamar. Now therefore, verse 33, Let not my lord the king take the thing to, this, to his heart to think that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon only is dead. But Absalom fled, and the young man that kept the watch lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, there came much people by the way of the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said to the king, Behold! The king's sons come, as thy servant said, so it is. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of speaking, that, behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also, all the servants, wept very sore. But Absalom fled and went to Talmea, the son of Amihad, 
king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And the soul of King David longed to go forth unto Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Ammon, seeing that he was dead. Okay, so what happens is the king's sons come home after they saw Ammon dead. Absalom runs for the hills, and he runs, and, and King David cries for the one son who raped the girl. He cries for him, mourns for him because he's dead. But a couple years go by, and Absalom, he goes off to Geshur, and they say probably because it was his mother's city, so he went and stayed there. And King David starts to mourn. He desires to see his son Absalom, who killed the other son. He wants to see him. I'm just going to tell you what happens in this next story, in this next chapter. I won't read all the way through it, just because it's cold and it's uh, it's getting late. But what happens is, Joab, this is David's general, he sees that David is a little bummed because he wants to see Absalom, his son. And his son, Absalom, remember, ran off, ran away because he killed the brother. He killed the man who raped Tamar. And so, and so what happens is, Joab wants to tell David to bring Absalom home. But he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to go about it because he doesn't want to upset the king, I think, one. And number two, he also, for some reason, it seems like he wants to get in good with Absalom because guess what? Amnon was what? He was supposed to take over his king when David dies. But guess who is next in line now? Absalom's in line. That's the guy that killed Ammon and he fled. So now Absalom is in line to take over David's position. And so Joab, the general, is like trying to get in good with Absalom by trying to bring him back. So that's what happens. So Joab like devises his plan, and guess what he does? He tells this woman to go to King David and tell him a story. And so she does. She listens to him, and, and she goes and she tells him this story. She says, hey, I had two sons. I'm a widow. My husband died. I have two sons. And one son killed the other. And so... And now all of my family wants to kill the son who killed the other guy, who killed the other brother. What should I do? And David's like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Even though all your family wants to kill the guy who killed his brother, don't worry about it. I'll take care of him. And then she says, but wait a minute. She turns it on him. She flips the story on him, just like Nathan the prophet did. She says, hey, you hypocrite. How come, but, but one brother killed another brother. Your sons... And why don't you allow Absalom to come back and to come home? And she lo- and he thinks, and he's just like, oh man, I guess you got me. It's true. I haven't allowed my other son to come home because, hey, he killed his brother. And so, okay, we'll bring him home. And so what happens is Joab goes and brings Absalom home. And, that's, and then the king comes and kisses him. And that's kind of where the story ends there. And Absalom ends up making an entire revolt against the kingdom of David. It's just a mess, as you'll see as you read. But what can we pull away from all of this? Well, the root of this entire story is based on what? It's based on lust, man. It is what destroyed everything. It is what messed everything up because one man's lust. And you know what? Does not one man's lust many times in this day destroy an entire family? 
It destroys a job sometimes. It destroys all kinds of things. And that is why it is so crucial. Lust leads to death every single time. Okay? Know this. Lust in any way. Whether you're lusting after something that you desire, that you're going to go after it because you want it so bad. It's a red Corvette. I don't know. You chase it down and you kick people out of the way. You do whatever it takes to get to that thing. Be very careful to lust after anything or to want something so bad that you're willing to go for it and do whatever it takes to get it. It's dangerous. And you will end up in death. It will destroy you. And so, family, as the enemy tries, and this, look at this, man, I, I, I've been analyzing this. Mike told me this last night. He had a word for me. He said, listen, Josh, God's doing some cool stuff right now. You know, the Lord is moving. And he's going to try to distract, like again just happened tonight. But he's going to try to dismantle you in any way that he can. And he wants to dismantle you guys in any way that he can. You want to know why? Because look at the family. Look at this. What are you doing out here? It's freezing. But you still desire to come. You still desire to come together as a family and be one. I love that. It's a blessing. No, you're freezing. I'm cold too. But I'm so happy that we desire to come together and be one. Lift one another up. Do not allow the enemy to rip any one of these brothers off. Guys, open up. Grab onto the guy that you know close. Do it. Be honest. Be open, please. Talk to the guys. Exhort them. Exhort one another daily in these things, huh? Jay, you know what I'm talking about. Like, we've seen guys fall. We've seen guys with great opportunity lose it. We've seen people get messed up by a girl or what? All kinds of different things. So brothers, band together. Come together. If you see a brother seeking after Tamar, <laughs> slow him down. Slap him in the face. Girls, if you see one seeking after some guy, Tamar, <laughs> please, please do something. The enemy lurks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to rip you off, blast you in the face, and laugh at you. Aha, you little buster, you fell. And I don't want any one of us here. Please, I don't desire that at all. I want us to be free and walking with Christ. I want you guys free. I want God to use you. I just want this family to grow bigger and bigger and to grow tighter and tighter. If you see any kind of gossip going around, if you see anything trying to leak in and sneak in to mess up what God is doing, you cut it off. Don't be scared to call the person out. Just call them out to their face. Hey, man, don't do that. Like, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to no, don't want to gossip. I'm not going to do that. What is that? I'm just, I'm going to explain because it needs if somebody is telling you something about someone else and you don't need to know, that's gossip. You need to say to them, hey, you shouldn't be telling me this right now. Is there, is there a reason? Oh, well, I mean, well, uh, 
But, oh, oh, I see. You're telling me because you wanted to pray for him. I see. Yeah, come on, come on. Let's pray right now. Come on, yeah. You pray. Don't allow it to come in. If you see, guys, if you see someone falling, then step out, reach, grab onto them. See them, like, just having a rough time, then grab on. Put your arm around. Pray for, encourage. Start making the phone call. Man, I, I truly, this is one of my biggest burdens, is I wish I could call every, I wish I could stay on top of it. I'm like the worst at that kind of thing. And, and, and we need brother, we need more brothers to stay on top of those things to really reach out. And ladies, please, you know how easy it is for a woman to be snatched away by some guy just because, oh, I love him. Oh, okay. Please, do not allow it. Those of you who have learned by experience, impart your wisdom. Let us rise up for the enemy desires to dismantle everything that God is doing in this generation. I guarantee something is about to break out like you've never seen. I can feel it almost just boiling my bone. I can just feel, I can just see it amongst the people. Something brand spanking new. I don't know. I just can see it. That people are desiring Jesus more than ever. Those of you, those who desire, they're just, they're desiring to go deep and deeper and deep. No more of this baby food. They want more. And we've got to give it to them. We've got to step out. Amen? I love you guys. Look forward to the work the King is going to do through us. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray these things in. Father, we come to You. And man, I just thank You, Lord, that You, you, you want to use us. That Lord, as the enemy just... Man, He so wants to rip us off daily so that we cannot further Your kingdom. But Lord, we fight against that. Man, we stand up right now. And we want to make decisions, God. Maybe the Lord's speaking to your heart. Maybe you need to make a decision right now. Maybe it's just between you and Him. We don't need raised hands. Just You make the decision. Maybe you need to step out and start talking to somebody. Maybe you start, need to start being more open. Maybe you need to confess some things. Maybe you need to go and tell somebody something because you desire to see them be a champion in Christ. You don't want to see that girl fall into those things. You don't want to see that guy get messed up by the enemy. Let God speak to your heart right now in those things. What is that thing that He is speaking to you about? Be still and know that I am God. Just be still. And just listen to God. Just be still. Just listen. Father, what is it that You speak to us, God? These things that You revealed, we desire to move forward in. And we desire to plant our feet deep and to start moving forward from this moment. God, we want to be Your people. We want to be who You desire us to be so we can be used. So we can further your kingdom and glorify you, lift you up so that all can see you are a great God. So please, Father, keep us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Troops, commandos, so you guys are. That's what I really look at you guys and see. You guys are not babes. You know the word.
You live for God. I see that. Now let's step out. Let's minister to those who need it. Amen? Love you guys.